reading again from Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. But keep your uh, Bible open because we will be walking through some passages in the rest of the New Testament uh, to uh, look at our thoughts and kind of fill in some empty spaces from uh, what we left this morning. Uh, World Mission Sunday. If you weren't able to give today and you'd still like to give a, an offering for Royal Mission Sunday, we'll be taking it up again next Sunday. You can hand it to me tonight. Uh, but the main thing, of course, that they would ask for all of us to do is to pray. Uh, pray for the department. Pray for each missionary, of course, uh, that's out in the field. You can access their website. They will give you information on every missionary that we have, except for the 500-and-something national missionaries, which are disciples in these countries that actually reside there. But of course, all the other missionaries, you get some biographical information. They'll be glad to get you some information as you need it. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for mission work. We thank you that we're a part of that. Help us to find our place in your plan as a church and as individuals. We know you have a purpose for all of us. Help us not to miss that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I suppose one of the most dramatic statements that you'll find in the scriptures is the last phrase of the last sentence that we read in this passage of scripture. They sent them away. That seems to be a, a very simple statement, but my what this simple statement began. As we mentioned this morning, they sent them away. These were the two of the most prominent leaders of the church. This church was making an investment. This church was giving up something far of more value than any check that they could write to a missions department. They were giving up two of their most prominent gifted leaders. And it said they sent them away. It was the beginning of a 1,400-mile journey that we would uh, conclude in 10 months as they came back to Antioch. But the remaining chapters of the book of Acts reveal this is only the first of four journeys for the Apostle Paul and the people he traveled with, totaling well over 9,200 miles when you look up the journeys. Now, this is not counting some of the local things he did, the walking that he did, but as scholars look for the distance from town to town to town to town and, and all the way back, well over 10,000 miles would probably be a good estimate of what he traveled, primarily by foot and by boat. The remaining chapters of the book of Acts divide, could provide some, but not all, of the details of his travel, but they do provide some of the details of Paul's travel. Now, this is profitable for personal study if you've never, ever went through the book of Acts and the letters and looked at the life of the Apostle Paul. 
Now, if you're thinking, I'd like to get a book on the life of Paul, there are literally hundreds of books on the Apostle Paul. Uh, and, of course, I began to ask around as I was trying, having to do some seminary work and do a lot of writing on the Apostle Paul and some of my professors at what were the best sources for the Apostle Paul. I found this book called The Apostle. Of course, it's a more recent book. It's in a very readable form, and it's an excellent book on the Apostle Paul in a real readable form. Now, one of the books that I have, and I have a stack over there uh, just on that bench if you want to look at them, is uh, St. Paul, Roman Citizen and Traveler, and it's by a man named Ramsey. And this, this man was not a minister to start off with. He was a historian. He was a, a, a geological uh, student, and he was a professor, and he was an archaeologist. He, he did a lot of everything, and he was not a Christian, and he began to study the steps of Paul because he, he suspected that the New Testament wasn't quite all true, and he was going to find some discrepancies between all of these places and all of these uh, events and the actual archaeology behind all of it. Well, he began to study and read and read and study, and he realized this is all right down the line. He became a Christian. In fact, uh, when you're looking at the, uh, the shipwreck, the, the journey that he took to Rome, historians have looked at this, and archaeologists have looked at this, and they have said this is the most detailed account of any historical writing of the shipping methods and techniques and technology of the day. And it's, and it's right here. And, it's, and so we realize if you want a, a personal study that's very interesting, look at the life of Paul. Uh, and some of these books will go into the background information of the cities, why he went where he did, uh, the regions, their cultures, the climate, some of the conditions of travel. They'll go through all of that. So that's just one of my... Uh, Piece of advice if you're looking for something interesting uh, to, to read other than reading the Bible through the year, and I'm glad you're doing that, maybe pick up one of these books and look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, as we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we could preach for weeks on that. But I want to just go over some high points of some things that tie into what we talked about this morning. Paul really provides a summary of his 9,200 miles in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you'll turn with with me to that book, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Now, most of the information that we'll look at in this brief passage of Scripture, not even covered in the book of Acts, not even covered in his letters. So as detailed as the book of Acts may be in filling in the blanks, this little piece of information covers things except for one event that's covered in detail, but the rest of them we, we realize Paul is just giving us a summary. In the book of he, uh, first, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, listen to a summary of Paul's missionary journeys up to this point. And this is just up to this point. This does not include the whole life of Paul. He said this, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. 39 stripes. You know how they would do that? You would get 13 stripes on your upper torso, you would give 13 stripes on your left shoulder and 13 stripes on your right shoulder, and they did it that way so they wouldn't lose count. It's very, it's very common sometimes they would not survive the flogging. Paul 
survived five times. And we have one of those that's in detail in, the, in of course, Acts when he was in Philippi. Now, three times I was beaten with rods. That's the Roman form of this punishment. So we do the math here. Eight times Paul received a beating somewhere from somebody. Once I was stoned. That, of course, is mentioned here. Three times I was shipwrecked. This does not even cover the shipwreck that happens toward the end of the book of Acts because this was written before that. So we understand he went through at least four shipwrecks. A day and a night I've been in the deep. He floated in the sea holding on to a board. A day and a night he is in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. The word perils means in danger of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil. In sleeplessness often. I believe the King James says in watchings. What that means is you stayed awake all night long. In hunger, in thirst, in fastings often, went without eating, in cold, and in nakedness. Now, this word nakedness means he sometimes didn't have enough clothes for the climate. Uh, the word comes from where we get our term gymnastics. And what it meant is the people who would exercise in the gym would wear very little clothing. And that's where this word came from. There were times where Paul because of the fact he was shipwrecked and he was robbed and all these things, he said, I didn't, I didn't have the right amount of clothes to get me through. And he says this, besides the other things, that which comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now that phrase, that which comes upon me daily, is a Greek term which means that which is pressing on me. He felt the weight on him of it because of his deep concern for all the churches. I believe some English translations say, my care for all the churches. Well, you could look at that, and his deep concern did translate into his active care for these churches. And he said, these are all the things I dealt with. And this is his uh, missionary journeys up to that point did not even include all the 9,200 miles. What a man they sent away who would go through all this and stay with it to the very end. Let's look at Paul's activities. We'll just summarize them in light of what we talked about this morning. There's these activities that we are familiar with, and first and foremost is evangelization. Paul went to preach the gospel to the people who had not heard the gospel before. We know that. He would go to a synagogue if there was a town with at least 10 Jewish families, no matter how far away it was from Jerusalem, they would have a synagogue. They would meet there every Saturday. He would always have an audience to come and listen. Now, we realize, of course, the Jews got very hostile with him at times. and He was run out of town from the folks in the synagogue. But now, if the Jewish communities weren't in a town, there was no synagogue. He would go wherever people would gather. If you remember Lydia uh, and some of the other ladies, when he found them at the river, there was not enough men, 10 Jewish men in town for a synagogue, so Jewish people met out there. 
in Athens. I believe he went to Mars Hill. And he went to diff several different places where people would meet, whether it be at a marketplace or where they would gather together to discuss the day's events. And he would go there and he would do evangelization. We know that's what he did, and Paul was very busy. Even if you limited his ministry to that, it was an amazing ministry. It was a phenomenal ministry. But it was not limited to that, and we touched on this very briefly this morning, and that is the recruiting and training and direction of other leaders and teachers. Now, a lot of times we look at the Apostle Paul as this lone ranger that's facing all these perils all by himself, and nobody's there to help him, and that is not the truth. The truth is Paul encountered many people along the way that provided him companionship and help, and he in turn provided them training and direction. I want to look just at a few of them here. In Acts chapter 18, verse 1, Acts chapter 18, verse 1, Paul's on the move. As we read through these verses, Paul will be on the move from one place to the other. In Acts chapter 18, verse 1, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. There's evangelization. Now, let's look at what else happened in Corinth. In verse 11, he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And then you see down in verse 18, Paul remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. Listen to this. Priscilla and Aquila were with him. They left the town and traveled with the apostle Paul. And they went, it says, he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered a synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And it says, of course, later he leaves there. But he leaves Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. So Aquila and Priscilla travel with him for 250 miles, and he ends up at Ephesus, and he leaves them there. So there's the Apostle Paul recruiting help and directing them to the places where he couldn't stay. Well, what happens? Well, the process repeats itself. Look in verse 24. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in, instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Wow. Paul disciples these two, Aquila and Priscilla. Now Aquila and Priscilla are discipling Apollos. What happens to Apollos? And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, 
for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Evangelization. Apollos is doing that. Apollos was discipled by Aquila and Priscilla, who were discipled by the Apostle Paul. In the process, of course, they passed it on to this couple. They passed it on to Apollos, and Apollos went to another place, and Apollos was helping the church there. And what was he doing? Making disciples too. So that's the, the dominoes that started to fall when Paul would disciple an individual. In Acts chapter 19, verse 21. When those things were accomplished, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he stayed in Asia for a while. Two people. He sends them somewhere else. Now that's 350 miles from where he encountered them. And the names, of course, was Timothy and Erastus. Now, they went into Macedonia, and in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, Erastus is mentioned specifically in being in Corinth. So, we have now Timothy and Erastus, who have been sent by Paul, and they're doing work at other places. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21, we encounter another name. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. You know, a lot of times we read over these names, and we just read over them, and the, the beauty of doing an in-depth study is you begin to see just exactly what these names mean when the Apostle Paul mentions them. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And what does he say in verse 21 of Ephesians 6? But that you may also know my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know of our affairs, listen to this, that he may comfort your hearts. So Paul is sending Tychicus to the Ephesian church. Now, why would he do that? Well, he's already told us in the passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. That which pressed on me daily, the concern for the church. And somewhere he found that the church at Ephesus needed somebody to go and comfort them or assist them or lift them up or support them. So he sends this guy named Tychicus. Well, lo and behold, in the book of Colossians, we see his name there also. And it's almost the exact same thing. He says that you may be comforted by him. Now, you get to looking at a map and you realize Ephesus and Colossae are 100 miles apart. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot to us, except when you realize they had to travel by foot. 100 miles was several days' journey. So we realize here this man called Tychicus, that Paul sent to Ephesus and Paul sent to Colossae to help them along. So Paul is recruiting more helpers. And then there's Timothy. Timothy is one whose training is the most 
detail because we have Paul's training of Timothy in his letters to them. And of course, we find in the letters to Timothy some of the most detailed responsibilities and qualifications for pastors, preachers, church leaders. It's in there. So this, of course, is Paul's disciple guide for Timothy. Timothy's not the only one that Paul discipled, but Timothy is the one that we have the most detail about. You read about Timothy repeatedly through the book of Acts. He is mentioned repeatedly, of course, in some of the letters, and now we have him mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Quite interesting. This is not the only time he's mentioned. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. First Corinthians chapter four, verse fourteen. And you know by now, if you if you of course sat under any teaching or preaching concerning the church at Corinth, they were in a mess. That church was in a mess. They had false teachers. They were about to split wide open. They had some things going on in the church. And Paul said, "We've got to straighten this out." So let's look and see what Paul does. He's writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and he says this: "I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you." Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet do you not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So what Paul was saying is, look guys, I can't fix this with a letter. There's too much that I can do to write you a little letter. You need some serious help. So when you need serious help, I'm going to send Timothy. And he sends Timothy, and he says, he's going to let you know exactly what I meant. Of course, Paul had been there. Paul had taught there. But they had false teachers that were unraveling everything. And he says, Timothy's going to come. He's going to remind you exactly what I meant. And, of course, we know that Paul did the same thing with many others. These are just a few. Paul evangelized, Paul discipled and trained and then directed these people to the places where they needed to go. And I want to close with this thought here. We've mentioned this morning about the church at Antioch. The church of Antioch, of course, was a church that made things happen for the Lord. So we mentioned, of course, there are people who make things happen, people who watch things happen. So who did they send away? They sent away a man who made things happen. He had the same mindset of the church, or maybe the church had his mindset. But we look in Philippians chapter 3, and we see the mindset of successful mission churches. Successful missionaries. This mindset wraps up the personality of the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And the peace of God, excuse me, 3, verse 7. But things, what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. He just listed all the things he had going for him. Yet indeed I also count all things lost, but the excellence 
of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal. Paul is not waiting for something to happen. And Paul is not wishing for something to happen. Paul said, I press toward the goal. And he said, I will make something happen in my life for the cause and the glory of Christ. That's the man that they sent away. Those are the people that we have all over the world as our missionaries of this same mindset. So that's why when we talk about praying for these guys and praying for these women, praying for these families, they've suffered the loss of all things. They sacrificed so much. Those are the people who have this mindset. And when our church maintains this mindset, and I think we have it, that we just continue to press on and press toward the goal of the prize in Christ Jesus. Is there anything before we close? Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Would you stand as the scriptures read?